0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Kathy Cullen Cody. Chief People Officer at Teradata, a San Diego-based software company. Kathy brings over 30 years of HR experience and is a skilled leader in building a robust and caring culture of employee engagement while creating a human resources program that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion and enhancing the employee experience. She joined Teradata in 2019 and in her role as Chief People Officer, Kathy is responsible for the corporation's talent strategies and programs while leading a global team of human resources professionals who are responsible for talent acquisition, compensation, benefits, equity programs, employee engagement and retention, and employee relations. Additionally, she oversees Teradata's talent management and DEI programs. We've asked Kathy to join us today and share what it means to embrace a fully flexible work environment, one that provides employees with the right balance between in-office and remote work without sacrificing that ever-important employee connection. So let's get Kathy introduced. Kathy, welcome to the HR Works podcast and thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Josh. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you. I'm excited to speak with you and get you introduced to our audience. So why don't we start there and just share a bit of your backstory. So if you don't mind, can you share what helped you find HR? What was that spark that helped you pursue a career in human resources?
1: Uh, sure. I, will, I would love to say that I had a grand plan that I wanted to work in human resources, but that actually didn't happen. I started in human resources as a personnel secretary. Okay. And just that... Title alone will show you how old I really am although your intro also did cuz you said 30 years experience but I it was a job I had a job I was personnel secretary and what happened to for me was the person running the benefits department at the company retired and the person who was running the whole function came to me and asked why aren't you applying for the benefits position and I thought well, I am not at all qualified. And she said, do you want a job or do you want a career? And I said, give me the career. And I interviewed, I got the job. I spent a lot of time learning, growing, failing, crying. Uh, and I it went from there. I, I had so many experiences inside the human resources function. Sometimes it was a level up. Sometimes it was two levels down. Sometimes it was part-time as I started to have children. Sometimes it was job sharing. Twice I had the job sharing experience. And finally, it ended up running the function. That's where I am today. And all I can say is that no matter what my role or what my title was, I always couldn't help but share my opinion, share my thoughts, offer to help, and just learn and grow. And I always felt like my job was to make my boss look good And I was just blessed that those bosses saw something in me and wanted to create opportunities for me. Again, not always up, but they create opportunities.
0: Well, that is fantastic and a great way to get us started. Thank you for that, Kathy. Sharing that story, I mean, what really stood out to me was that you had that boss who saw something in you, saw that opportunity or saw that spark and said, hey, you would be great for this and you can build a career And that's why I position it often and say, what's that spark that helped you find HR? Because it could happen at any time and at any moment. Some people find it early in their careers and they set out and say, okay, this is where I want to go. Sometimes it comes when you least expect it. And it can go from being a job to a career overnight. And with 30 years of HR experience, you've had so many different experiences. Uh, So it's all just going to amass to this great knowledge base that you've got as a member of the HR community. So thank you for sharing that. It's just a really inspiring, and great way to get us kicked off. Uh, Thank you. So one thing we're seeing as of late, Kathy, is this push again by companies to return to office. Amazon recently came out and announced that they're pushing for a return to office. But I've also recently seen an interesting article on CNBC that said 80% of bosses say they regret returning to the office too early, which really brings a thought about what it means to return to the office and what it means to be flexible. So let's start here. And what do you think is driving these companies who are still looking to return to an office?
1: Well, I think what drives the companies that are looking to return to the office from those I, my peers and other companies, number one is the leadership, mostly CEOs. And I think that they have concerns and some of them might be justified. Their concerns are around productivity. Their concerns around collaboration, around culture, around not utilizing very expensive office space. And that's what's driving the push that I'm aware of, what I'm seeing, not what employees want, not what the data is saying is effective, but what leadership concerns are.
0: Yeah. And clearly with the stat that was shared by the CNBC article, some bosses are finding that as they return to office, they may have gone too soon um, and that it maybe wasn't the right fit for their culture. Do you think workplace cultures are being defined now by their decisions to be in office, remote or hybrid?
1: I wouldn't say that it defines our culture, but I would say it plays a significant role in who you are because culture is about how you behave and how things get done at your company. My favorite saying is it's what you tolerate. And company's decision, a company's decision to approach this is a signal to your employees. It's also saying to them, do I trust you? Do I believe you can still get your work done? How comfortable am I not seeing you sitting at your desk? So it is a signal. And Companies that are choosing to be flexible are having more retention and definitely more attraction to many, many candidates who are demanding that flexibility.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly opening up a new market when you're open to being flexible, whether it's in location or working hours, you're going to change your candidate pool. You're going to bring in new candidates who may have not previously considered your organization as an option
1: thousand percent. We've all benefited from that. really helped with diversity. It helped tremendously with finding top talent.
0: Absolutely. So what does it mean now in 2023 to have a fully flexible work environment?
1: Number one, it means we hear you, employees, candidates. We trust you. We trust you to do the work that you need to do. We'll set those expectations, but we trust you and we care about you. I think it's a great big thank you for all your hard work. It means giving greater choice and autonomy to people who want a work-life balance and they care about well-being. It means access to broader, top talent, we just mentioned that, and diverse talent. It demonstrates that you trust your people and that as long as you meet our expectations and you deliver the outcomes from the role, we're all happy. Feel free to drop your child off in the morning or feel free to take your parent to an appointment in the evening or during the middle of the day, crazy as that is, I might go get my nails done. Uh, I'm still gonna get my job
0: done.
1: Right. It means that we have effective leadership who can actually work through when in-person meetings are necessary. And they're able to articulate that to their teams so that everyone can get on board and make that happen. It means that we are agile in our execution because it's not perfect. It is not one size fits all. So you need to be agile and you need to be able to change, adjust, modify. It means that we are going to frequently communicate We're gonna set reasonable expectations. We're gonna watch how our meetings run because ineffective meetings will drain everyone. They did when we were all in the office and they really do when you're working from home, especially when people have been hiring, to your point, all over the world, different time zones and respecting time zones and giving people the ability to have a really good meeting experience, maybe a day of no meetings. We have no meeting Fridays and I love them. And it means that we have to be deliberate about building relationships virtually, making certain that we have one-on-ones, make certain that those one-on-ones start with, how was your weekend? Your daughter was graduating last week. How did that graduation go? Those things are important. I think that they're not that easy when we are in the office. They're not that easy when we're out of the office, but they're super important. And I would just say even in formal meetings, We have coffee chats here with our leadership and anyone can volunteer to be a participant and the questions may or may not be related to our business. And what a way to really meet employees all over the world that otherwise I would have zero interaction with.
0: I love that. Thank you for that, Kathy. I can feel your passion just coming through in that answer. With what it means to be flexible, the two things that stood out to me that you said there, agility and and it not being one size fits all. And I think that really says so much. Workforces need to be agile now and really be able to adapt to different scenarios, and that's what it really means to be flexible, but it truly is not one-size-fits-all. Flexibility for one organization could be being in office some days a week and and working from home other days a week. For other teams, flexibility may mean a nine-to-five workday is a bit different, and it's getting the work done, and it's not necessarily – how and when it's being done or where it's being done, but is it being accomplished? And really defining flexibility can be unique for each organization. And that's really an interesting point of where we're at today in 2023, that it can really help define an organization's culture based on how they see flexibility.
1: I agree, yes.
0: Yeah, it's flexible in terms of how you work best and what's best for your team. So with that, I mean, how can organizations who do want to come back into the office and see that as being flexible? How do they best determine that right balance between in-office and remote? I mean, that goes back to, again, that quote of so many bosses feeling that they brought back their teams too soon yeah. to feel as if maybe there should have been a better balance in remote versus in-office. How do you figure out what that balance is for your culture?
1: Well, I think for that leader who believes they brought people back too soon, I just have to address that. If that was my CEO, the first thing I would say to him is own it. Own it. Admit that what COVID has taught us is that vulnerability is is valued and it's appreciated and you just need to own it. As long as you can be transparent, they'll get there with you, especially if it's a flexible option, not the 100 percent one way or the other. It's you're owning it. But I think that you need to have an overall philosophy and what is that philosophy? So our philosophy is we want to enable people to do the work that we need to have done in a way that empowers them, that's the overall philosophy. Then to your point around the security department, physical security department, that might mean you're in the office every day. And it might mean for the R and D department that you're in the office three times a week so that we can deliver on a new product. It might mean for the executive leadership team that they're in the office one week a month, this is true story for us. One week a month we are all physically in the office to instill that collaboration make certain that we are meeting face to face when you when you make that decision you then need your managers to actually be okay with that ambiguity because many managers want the policy that details every possible thing that can happen and how they're going to deal with it and that's not the way this world is working And additionally, you mentioned though, not one size fits all, even inside a company, you cannot demand, you should not demand that everyone has to meet one of these options because it doesn't make sense. And as long, again, back to transparency, as long as you're transparent and say, this is how it works, everyone's going to be held accountable. Everyone has to deliver for outcomes. We're going to set expectations. We're going to treat you like adults. But as long as you have that overall philosophy, like we do this and why? We believe in fully flexible. Why? Because we listened to you. We know that's what you want. We trust you to do your jobs. We're not going to monitor that. We're also going to hold you accountable. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah, that accountability is such a key piece. And I think listening as well, really listening to your workforce and understanding where that right balance is in terms of in office or working remotely, working as a distributed workforce, and there can be a right balance. As you said, it's one week a month for your team and that works for your team, but you've been in the fully in office environment as well and having gone through and seeing both sides, are there elements of the employee experience that get traded off between being fully in office to fully remote or somewhere in between?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think they get traded off I think all of those elements need to be considered and are important in all scenarios, whether you're in person, fully remote or hybrid. And I don't think any of those options are an easy answer or better in any three of those scenarios either. I actually believe that you have to be deliberate in all of those intentional to ensure that all the bases are covered. Kind of when I go, went back to managers asking How's your child? How's your wife? Did you have, make that appointment? Those things are important and intentional. And just because you're physically located together doesn't mean that was happening. I think that is a false belief by some of our leaders because that wasn't the case. We need to be deliberate. We need to be intentional. And we know that that's what employees want. And I think that the people who are getting the flexibility, where they are joining and they are staying because of it.
0: So, for those companies that are bringing teams back into an office or just changing the approach to flexibility, even maybe from fully remote to hybrid or from hybrid to fully in office, what are some steps that HR leaders can take to help ease that process when you're introducing a new setting for employees?
1: Um, most importantly, I said so this is just a minute ago, but I would be transparent on the why, like why it's important to us. I would have that philosophy. Yeah. I mentioned managers want a policy. I don't recommend a policy, but I recommend a playbook. Like, What are the parameters that we're going to have this boundaries? And then managers, we empower you. We empower you within those boundaries to have at it. Maybe you're going to have them in every Tuesday. Maybe you're going to give them a, a month's notice that you want them all flying in for a week next month. So I think that top priority is that you have transparency also leaders need to role model it the worst thing that you can do if you're deciding to bring people back to the office is say you must be here x number of days a week and then you don't show up yourselves then that trust is really going to just deteriorate and i think that you need to think about even if it is we are coming back to the office full time we are still human we're called human resources for a reason so allow for late starts. If somebody does have to take their child to school in the morning, right? allow for that, allow for an early leave, allow for some flexibility, be human and make the right decisions that are going to help your employees. Because Happy employees are engaged employees and engaged employees are motivated employees and loyal employees. And who doesn't care about their employees? We all care about our employees. That's how we drive our company success.
0: I could not say that better. And yeah, it's it's being reasonable, right? Everyone's got their own unique circumstances and being reasonable and open to understanding those and helping to accommodate those. It only comes back and can be respected by employees when, when they feel like they're heard, they feel like they're seen. But to your point, also having that buy-in from management to actually practice what they preach, you can't ask a team to come back and then not show up yourself. Those are just simple things to be done and simple expectations. I think for any anyone in the workforce, but can really be vital in terms of just bringing the whole team back on board. And I think if, if that's top-down leadership to a T.
1: I think we have to remind ourselves. And sometimes I need to remind our managers that people want to do the right thing. No one gets up on a Monday morning and says, I want to do bad things at work today. It just doesn't happen. If there, if yeah. there, it doesn't happen. And when we don't see people we we shouldn't be forgetting that people have good positive intentions that that is what they have and if some and understand that we still need to be managers this you you need to manage that the work is getting done you need to set expectations you have every right to ask for updates but assume positive intention just want to remind people of that
0: yeah that is great advice and a great way to just look at how to approach people at a basic human level yeah. Assume there's positive intent there. That is so great. Now, Kathy, looking at that idea of flexibility again, is it safe to say that flexibility and work-from-home policies are really leading the priorities for talent out in the labor market?
1: I would definitely say it's a number one for attracting and retaining talent. There's lots of other priorities that are also important, but it is a question that will be asked by 99% of the candidates. It is the top subject that employees want to talk to me about. If I visit an office, I just went to Singapore, visited an office. I had 20 employees say, please don't make us come back to the office. Are you still committed to the no meeting Fridays? These efforts are making a difference and people are fearful because they also read articles that are making employees come back full time and they don't want that. So it is very much a top priority. Right there,
0: I mean, that's listening to your employees, hearing them, and trying to meet employees where, where they are. Obviously, you've still got a, a culture to protect, and as you said earlier, you're setting the bar to what you'll tolerate. You can't completely bend in all areas, right? You need to be protective in certain cases, but listening to your employees is crucial, understanding, do they want to come back? I think there's also an interesting opportunity here to say for teams as they're trying to decide coming back to office fully being maybe hybrid or being fully remote that that can factor into your recruiting and what kind of talent you're looking to attract.
1: So very, very true. Of course, as a company you need to have hire people in places that you can do business and make payroll and people want to get paid and have benefits as you can imagine that said, the talent that we have brought in over the last few years has been extraordinary in states and countries and locations that I didn't even think about before, but now just taking off the location from our job descriptions, it has opened up that funnel of people actually applying to us. Three years ago, three and a half years ago, we were all in, all of us were on LinkedIn and we were sending you those messages that say, hey, Josh, you you're, you know, get an opportunity. We don't have time to go over to LinkedIn now because people are applying on the, their own through our own website. And this is a fantastic result of opening up the opportunity of where we can hire and attract talent from.
0: Yeah, it opens up your pipeline. That is such a great reason to argue for, for again, looking at your structure, looking at your approach to how distributed your workforce is. Great feedback on that one, Kathy. Mentioning the talent market, are you seeing anything else that is a leading priority right now for talent that's out there?
1: Yeah, um, I think you as a people organization, human resources function, you have to have a strategy on how your organization thinks about AI, how your company thinks about AI, because the talent coming in, they want to know. They want to know that there is a roadmap that's going to help them be more productive. Help them spend their time on those things that they really find fulfilling, adding value, and less time in things that can be done via AI. That question is uh, one that I want everyone to be thinking of. I know I am. We have a you know a statement on it. And I'll also share. This was not didn't happen to me, but to somebody that's on my team. She participated in a couple of interviews and she got thank you letters. And the thank you letters were. Pretty much exactly the same. And someone had gone gone on AI and helped draft those letters. And uh, they were three paragraphs long, which no one ever does three paragraphs without getting help from ChatGPT.
0: Yeah, I think you're 100% right there that teams need to be intentionally thinking about AI and kind of where they stand. And by no means do do any of us have the answers yet. And we're all trying to figure it out. And that goes back to transparency, be transparent about it, but but have some thoughts on that. Because again, the talent marketplace is thinking about it. It's clearly, it's so easy to find conversation around AI, whether it's right or wrong. I think we're all, again, trying to figure it out, but it's top of mind clearly. So have that top of mind as well as you're looking at talent and trying to attract talent. And if you can come up with some policies to put guardrails to, as you said, kind of understand what you'll tolerate uh, within a team, that's probably a good first step for the current marketplace. What are you seeing in terms of changes with what talent's looking for in the talent marketplace since COVID? I think so much has changed. Have you seen any big shifts in what talent are looking for? Is it work from home? Is it AI? Is there anything
1: else? Oh, absolutely. I would say the biggest thing that the talent is expecting is that there's support for well-being. They expect you to care. They expect you to have answers about things that they never asked me about before. I was asked to solve for the baby formula shortage. Wow! Yeah. And I ha- try to help, but I wouldn't have got that email uh, in the human resource capacity five years ago at all. So well-being is completely top of mind, and it's not just the work from home. It's about well-being. People want to talk about mental health. Yeah. People want to talk about menopause. People want to talk about all types of diversity and. You better have an answer to that or a philosophy on that or something that you can share, or they're not going to find you interesting.
0: I'm going to guess that you didn't have accounting for baby formula shortage on your bingo card in 2020, but again, that's real. And again, that's being, that's being agile back to what you had mentioned earlier and having some of that agility, again. back to the idea of a flexible workplace. It's not even just the environment, but it's being flexible It's really adapting to employee needs and creating that great employee experience. I agree. That's great. Well, look, we're here with Kathy Cullen Cody, Chief People Officer at Teradata. Kathy, turn the tables back to talk more about yourself. Looking back at what your experiences have been, is there something you've learned about yourself over the past two years that you feel has made you a better leader?
1: Uh, Certainly. I'm learning to be a better leader, hopefully a better leader every day. But I am a person who loves models. I had a mentor in my life who wrote books about models. And one thing he shared at one time was, or a Venn diagram and it talked about knowledge, big circle, experience, big circle, and then the small little silver that overlaps equaling wisdom. And I've used that model for my teams forever and my children when they think they're smarter than me because they have knowledge about something. And if I'm being honest with myself, I thought I understood my function really, really well. And that enabled me to be good at making decisions. Even if it was just a little bit different, I had enough experience that I was knowing where this was heading and I could help. Once the pandemic hit, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I didn't know I could send people to work from home in a minute. I didn't know the public health issues. I needed to be able to make decisions that were going to take care of my employees. And I wasn't the expert in it. And then I need to be able to give myself some grace because that didn't feel that comfortable. I like being the problem solver and I needed to give myself vulnerability. I need to say to my, all my employees, here's where we are today. I made this decision based on my values of how caring about my employees and the company's values about caring for our employees. And i experts. It's way smarter than me on public health. But I think that what I learned through that process is employees want to help. When you ask them for feedback, you ask them for a help, they give it to you. Their ideas are way better than the ones I was thinking of. And I do it all the time now. I ask for help all the time. And I love, love, love what they have been able to help me and the company achieve.
0: Yeah, that's sometimes the hardest piece is asking for help because, again, that is what so many of us who, who find success in careers, you get it done and you you become a doer. But at some point, you learn to ask for help and, and lean on those around you, and that really can help boost you to another level. And sometimes that's hard to find. It's, that's really exciting. And thank you for sharing that one. And, again, back to that idea of vulnerability too and, and showing that and how crucial that can be to really just finding success is being vulnerable and open and honest.
1: Yeah, I think that we need to remember, if we want to be happy in our roles, we need to make certain that our values align to our company values. Don't, don't underestimate that. Don't work for someone. Person, don't work for a person who doesn't share your values. You will be very unhappy every day. Don't work for a company that doesn't share your values. And when you need to make decisions and you, they're tough, go back to what your values are. The answers are there.
0: That is some great advice. Now, now going back to the Venn diagram and that, that overlapping piece of wisdom, correct? (laughs) In the middle. (laughs) Um, So do you have any wisdom, a piece of advice that you've leaned on throughout your career? That's really helped make you successful that you could pass along to our audience of HR professionals and pay it forward. Uh, What do you have there? What's something you've leaned on?
1: Uh, Yes. And paying it forward is all I want to do. So Build your network. I have to say the best advice I ever got was to build your network. And that network is not only those who have the same role as you, but those who support you in other capacities. Those who have the similar role of you in human resources. I think we are the most generous of any organization in the company. I have a network of HR professionals and I can email them at any time and say, what did you do on this matter? What are you doing about this? And I will get back, if I send it out to 50 people, I'll get back maybe 10 answers, and they're brilliant. If you need a playbook on flexible work policy, email me. I will share that with you because I am the person that if you send me a blank piece of paper and ask me to fill it out, I'm going to at it for an hour. But if you send me something with a little bit of a draft, I can really get to that so i am happy to share and i think that we underestimate the importance of having a network so there's social networks now that you can absolutely have however look for people go to the events speak to others ask for help building that network not only someday may you need them to help you find a job more importantly they'll continue to contribute to your success and as human resources professionals Two people that you need to have in your network are financial partners and your legal partners. My success today is because I have worked with brilliant CFOs and CLOs who want to partner with me to help support our business success.
0: Let's surround yourselves with great people. And back to, again, as you said previously, of learning to lean on other people for advice and having that propel you to success. This is awesome, Kathy. Thank you for sharing that, too. You're now part of our network as a member of the HR Works podcast family here. Absolutely. So we'll certainly be bringing you back on and keeping that conversation going. Now, Kathy, before we let you go, do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience about Teradata? Anything you want to share in terms of best ways to get in touch? Anything you're excited about going on with Teradata, either within your HR team or within the organization?
1: Uh, Teradata is an amazing company. We are your answer for solutions around generative AI to create dashboards that can help me predict what's happening in the business. I'm happy to share with anyone what those look like because I am the envy of my network once they see them. And I love my job. I hope you all love your jobs. You can email me at kathy.com. Cullen Cody at Teradata.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, again, Kathy, Cullen, Cody, thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. Before we let you go, we are going to end with one final question. It's all built around motivation. So you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day?
1: Hmm. At the to toss up between my dog, who is being so good and in the crate, and Wordle. All
0: right. I love it. (laughs) Wordle's a great one to get you started. And of course, the the pup's not going to wait for you. So those are both fantastic. Well, look, Kathy Cullen Cody, Chief People Officer at Teradata, thanks so much again for joining the HR Works podcast. We're definitely going to have to have you back on in the future to keep this conversation going.
1: Thank you, Josh. Thank you for making my very first podcast. So nice and pleasant for me.
0: You nailed it. All right. Well, thanks, Kathy. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.